thank you for tuning in wherever you're tuning in, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Thank you for supporting. Continue to, you know, reach out, give us ideas to talk about so we can come in here and uh, just talk your ears off about some really cool things. So thank you, Bryce, for having me back. Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, I think that we're going to talk about men's body dysmorphia. Well, I think we'll probably anchor it to men. I'm sure that we'll devolve into women's body dysmorphia, how that relates to a lot of different aspects of um, psychology, mental health, you know, how that relates to everything that we observe, whether it's like culturally in the media, um, what we see and in, in what we experience in the fitness industry and, and all of that. So it will most likely start narrow and then end up relatively broad and encapsulating. But um, no, yeah, so let's go ahead and kick it off talking about men and how body dysmorphia can play probably a more important role in the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view, especially like our fitness, mm -hmm. um, then maybe most people would expect most women especially would expect. So, um, I guess what do you think about this specifically? Obviously we talked about it a little bit before we hit record. Um, so I know that you have some more specific thoughts, but, um, like for you, what is like the, the body dysmorphic idea mean? Um, yeah, it, it comes from, to me, it's like rooted in a few things. Um, I think that the overarching thing that no matter what sex you are, you can relate to is in, is in worthiness, right? Like how do you stack up in your own self-worth and your perceived value to others? Um, and inherently because we're human, we, we look at relative value. We look at how we compare to other people. And so that of course, and affects how we look at ourselves. Um, I know statistically taller men live longer, make more money. Statistically, taller men, more in shape men, you know, uh, I guess it, whatever parameters were set for fit or in shape for these uh, these surveys, these guys traditionally have better luck with women. You know, there's the current conversation around dating apps, right? The fact that, you know, of the 90 to 100% of women on these dating apps are going after, you know, 6% percent of the men on these dating apps right so wow yeah it, it's it's nuts like when you look at it you know it's it they're staggering statistics and so when you talk about these other guys the guys that look at these guys that are getting the attention and the inherent value they start to place beyond who they are you know what makes them them and more about what they look like and so then you have the false presentation of I have money, but I don't, right? Or I'm in the gym every single day because I want to look a certain part. Um, and I do think there's value in it, right? I joke with my friends all the time, my friends who are, are dads and have the quote unquote cliche dad bod, and they spend shit tons of money on on clothes, right? They buy LV shirts and shit like that. I'm like, bro, I'd put a fucking P2 shirt on or a tank top, you know, every day, a hoodie, some sweats. And I think it also comes with how confident I am and and what I look like and how I present. I can put a Hanes shirt on and go to a club and like I got tattoos, I'm fit, like I look good, right? I don't have to wear designer to be presentable or attractive to the opposite sex. Um, but even I also still look in the mirror and I go, and it's shaped it's shaped by what I've looked like in the past, what I've been able to do in the past, and also what I see. Like I'll look at you and I'm like, damn, bro, like I kind of miss being lean again. 
but then it makes me wonder i wonder what bryce sees when he when he looks in the mirror like does he think oh well i wish i was this or i wish i was that you know uh a lot of times i just think about how much smaller i am now than what i used to be like i know how the the comparison game with others can mind fuck you but honestly like my opinion here is i think that the comparison game with your prior or quote-unquote peak self is what really really messes with a lot of people um and because we work with I guess I would consider a lot of our clients to be like, you know, higher level athletes or a lot of the the clients that I work with now. Um, so there is always this past peak self that is in some way an improved physical version of where they are at the moment, right? So whether that is leaner or whether that is more muscular, whether that is, you know, stronger, whatever, right? Like there are very few times whenever you are going to be presently in your best physical fitness position right your your best right. physical shape um wow i don't know why shape was so difficult for me to get to but um but because of that i think that there is a lot of anchoring to prior selves that that we all struggle with and you know maybe it's people that are more into fitness that struggle with that specifically like that might be a, a fitness specific problem um, whereas other people who have never paid too much attention to the gym or to, you know, aesthetics to like, you know, six pack abs and like a fat ass or anything like that, maybe those people look outward a bit more and they are the ones that are more likely to, you know, buy designer, um, you know, roll around in like, uh, you know, really expensive car, have really expensive sunglasses, like, you know, take care of themselves in other ways that are not exclusive to just you know building a physique that gathers that attention um but there there is always that aspect of like the the spectacle right so you're you're trying to trying to build yourself up to something that other people see as valuable for whatever reason even if you are comparing yourself to your prior self it's always because of how other people are seeing you rather than how you specifically are seeing you and what the implications are of that. So I think that it's it's always coming down to you trying to put yourself in the position of other people and trying to look outward and say, how do these people see me? How are they thinking about me? How are they viewing me? Are they seeing me and talking amongst themselves saying, oh, she used to look so much better six months ago well, i wonder what she did i wonder what happened to her why'd she fall off so hard or are they saying you know like oh like yeah he's really smart but his friend is so much better looking in such better shape has you know so many cooler tattoos whatever right like no matter if it's being compared to your prior self or your your peers whatever um i i do think that the the, the difficulty always comes from trying to guess how other people are thinking and talking about you um, and our brains always go towards a worst case scenario. We always catastrophize everything. And then B, we always think that we're the center of everyone else's universe. So both of those become very problematic. Whenever you think that you're the only thing that matters and you also think that everything trends towards bad yeah. in your mind, it's very easy to come to the determination that other people think less of you than they should or than maybe you're worth and i think that's where a lot of 
these like, you know, psychological disorders like body dysmorphia can come from is not necessarily you looking at yourself and immediately thinking that you're less than it's you looking at yourself and thinking about how other people are going to see you and what they're going to be thinking, what they're going to be, be discussing behind your back. And then that almost becomes a projection of what you actually see in the mirror because you're right. thinking about worst case scenario and you're thinking about worst case of what other people see whenever they would be looking at you as well. So, um, you know, obviously body dysmorphia is something that everybody deals with to a certain degree. You know, I don't think that it's going out on a limb to say that most people don't view themselves in the light that they probably should at all times. And they, they're maybe not always seeing the reality of the situation that other people might see. Um, but it, it definitely disproportionately affects people who are heavily involved in physique sports or any kind of like deliberate body modification, like what I would consider body bodybuilding or, you know, highly involved fitness recreation to be. Right. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like as a retort, I was trying to figure out like, is there, cause with me having more of a, um, like gen pop mixed roster and I have bodybuilding competitors who are serious. Um, and I have people who just want to get in shape right through weddings, pre post-pregnancy. Um, it, it, I don't know. It would make it kept coming up for me, like thinking about, uh, you know, being younger and listening to like my uncles and my dad, everyone's sitting around and everyone wants to reminisce on their glory days. Everyone wants to talk about what they could do when they played football or they played basketball, baseball, or how big and strong they were, um, for women, you know, the, looking back on themselves, pre-pregnancy, pre-kids, pre-marriage. And I think there is that like nostalgic, like longing for, um, what used to be or what you feel like was better than now. And then like, but like you said, it's intensified when you talk about sport, especially aesthetic sport, right? You know, because you can sense the deterioration in your body and not being able to run fast or jump high. And while it sucks, you understand that comes with aging. There's not a ton you can do about that. Like you will eventually get slower, eventually get less strong. And there's not a ton that you can, you know, do to reverse that. Whereas aesthetics, I guess it feels like it's, it's always there. You can always kind of do more. And that kind of comes with that reflective of like, oh, well, you know, I'm not eating the way I could be. I'm not training the way I could be or the way I used to be. Um, rarely are we in those moments of reflection and optimizing our current place. It's usually in a place where we're like, we've fallen off. We're not paying attention. We've lost discipline or focus or our priorities have shifted. And we're also reminiscing on a time when like our priority was that. So it's compounded, you know, both. We don't have that like relative look of like, you know what? I'm doing the best I can for 40, the best I can for 50. I'm in the gym four times a week. My diet's on point, you know, and I'm just fighting father time right now. It's like, no, I eat pizza three times a week. I'm working. I have four hours of sleep a night because I have kids. And I'm looking back on a time before kids, before a real job, you know, when I was focused on hitting every macro to the T. So it is interesting how it affects those different subgroups. Um, I guess my question, speaking of subgroups, why do you think for men it is not talked about as much? Is that a media thing? Is it men really good, being really good at hiding it? 
Um, or do you think that one is sexier than the other? You know, is it just like driven by societal perception of like, you know what, we'll focus here because, you know, this is a group, that group being women, already kind of marginalized sexually, definitely um, objectified more often, uh, et cetera. Well, I would say one big aspect is that confidence or at least the, the portrayal of confidence is probably a little bit more important in men than women. Um, and I think up until recently as well, uh, vulnerability was seen as a, a pretty big weakness mm. for men, whereas in women, it was a little bit more celebrated and easier to talk about specific vulner vulnerabilities, especially whenever it came to um, body image, right? So men tend to internalize things a lot and do not like to talk about something that makes them feel very vulnerable. Um, I still feel like, you know, no matter how, how far along the anti-taboo spectrum we get with mental health, where it is more natural for men to talk about, you know, their anxieties, their stressors, their, um, you know, mood, their depression, the things that, that are really weighing on them, that is rightly becoming more normalized. And, you know, we've talked about this before, right? I, I think that there's a tendency to push that too far in, in a direction to where we almost convince people that they have, you know, problems, but at the same time, you know, like there are avenues for people that need to talk about their problems, men specifically, men need to talk about their problems because everyone should have an avenue to talk about their problems, no matter how, you know, absolutely or relatively serious they are. Um, because it all feels hard. It all feels like the end of the world to us, right? right. Whether, you know, you are worried about a work project or whether you're worried about eating, like those are, those are stressors no matter what. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the confidence thing, it is still very, very challenging for men to talk about physical vulnerabilities and physical things that are that are like the root causes of them having confidence issues, right? So um, you talked about height. Okay. Height is something that you can see. Like it's very hard to hide to hide the fact that you might be short, you know. And like what we've talked about, you know. It is very, very difficult as a short man to overcome the fact that you might be 5'5 five, five, and there's a dude standing next to you that's 6'2 and most women prefer a taller man. Like that is, that's, that's challenging. And that is something that can really dampen your confidence in yourself, right? Especially if you're approaching a woman next to a dude who is 6'2. Like that's a, a handicap already, right? Right. Um, you know, another one, and this is, you know, potentially maybe outside of the scope, but like, you know, skin color, mm -hmm. skin color is something that you cannot change. You also can't hide it, but it's physical. So no matter what you go into any social situation, knowing that everyone can see your skin color. So if you're embarrassed about it, or if it's something that is potentially a, a confidence vulnerability for you, mm -hmm. you overcome that. Well, body image as it relates to like, you know, your, your physique, 
Outside of extremes, it's a little easier to hide your physique. You can wear sweats. You can wear a well-tailored suit. So where people can't immediately know what you look like underneath it, right? Yeah, if you're really, really jacked, people are probably going to know. But it's also really hard to tell the difference between, you know, a Ryan Reynolds level physique versus just a normal dad bod if they're both under a well-tailored suit. Right. So in those instances, I feel like because you can kind of hide the the middle of the bell curve whenever it comes to physiques, it becomes a little bit easier to fall into that trap of catastrophizing. Right. Like what are people going to think whenever they see me without my shirt on? Mm -hmm. And because it's easier to hide that, it's also easier for you to be the only person that is analyzing and and being sub subjective about yourself and your physique. Um, so then it becomes one of those things where it's like, I'm going to be at the beach, but I'm going to wear a t-shirt because I don't right. want, I don't want to, to show other people what my physique looks like because I'm worried about what they'll think about me. Right. And a lot of it can become irrational, but that's also how you get in these like spiraling down loops of thinking that you look like absolute shit. When in reality, you're just a normal looking dude. Right. And this could also come back to. Maybe in the past, you were someone who was a higher level athlete. Maybe you were a D1 athlete. Maybe you got injured. And then once you got injured or you had like a family or a profession that all, you know, took priority, then your physique kind of regressed back towards, you know, the the middle of the bell curve, whatever. It's right. um, not bad, but at the same time, it, it maybe isn't your peak. But because of that, it's really easy to see yourself in a light that is much worse than what other people who maybe don't know you or maybe hadn't seen you in the past maybe they would view you as it's just a dude who has a normal body whereas you you yourself are seeing your physique as the worst of all mm -hmm. possible outcomes right so I, I do think that men in general we we have a tendency to kind of internalize a lot of those those physical vulnerabilities um and maybe that's also because we're judged more harshly on a lot of the the physical vulnerabilities that we have. So another example, right? Like, just think about this. Like, this is going to be maybe a little bit, again, weird, but like penis size. Mm -hmm. So that is something that is culturally so prominent, so prominent, right? We, like, we talk about it. And even whenever it's not talked about, it's implicitly understood. Right. But... That is a male-specific thing, notwithstanding the fact that, like, you know, it only uh, only men have dicks. But, like, right, right. beyond that, it is not even appropriate to talk about women potentially being judged based on their breast size, right? right? Like, and that's, that's not something that we even do, right? And... That's not even getting into like, okay, we're talking about like your, your vagina, like that. Yeah. Not, different genitalia in general. Yeah, like yeah. that, like yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't get done either. And I can imagine that someone will probably push back on this in some way. But I think that the point stands is that men, whenever it comes to this discussion, we are judged on something that physically, like we can't change. We can't change it at all, but it is something that highly affects a lot of men's confidence in a positive or negative direction. Um, and even beyond like the size thing, it's like, 
are you circumcised? Are you not circumcised? Mm-hmm. And then that can create a lot of like confounding confidence mm-hmm. as well. So I think that there are a lot of things that potentially add up with men that make it a lot more difficult for us to talk about our our physical vulnerabilities or the things that we're physically less confident in versus women. Um, and you know, maybe one of those is just like an outlet for being able to discuss those in a very non-judgmental way. But maybe it's also one of those problems that is as soon as you voice it and you put it out there, then you're having to admit that it's real. And as soon as you admit that it's real, then you have to confront that realness. I don't know, but um, it definitely feels like, like there are aspects of, of being, being a man that it, it, almost has to be suppressed whenever whenever you're talking about specific things that might be vulnerable topics or um or confidence issues yeah i mean there's definitely a bravado that kind of has to be upheld um and it's funny because there's there's a there's a thin line right especially now in like new age where women are like no we want our men to be in tune and in touch with their feelings be sensitive tell me how you feel but not too much Right, like I don't, I don't want you fucking crying on my shoulder every night, um, and I guess I've always thought about it. It's interesting that like, if you think about your earliest desires as a kid, um, I have to go back really, really far to find one that's not tied to a girl. Right, that's not tied to like I want to do this because a girl. I want that because a girl. I want to look like because a girl. Like, probably back to like playing Pokemon, right? Like, like video games and shit like that, right? Um, because girls didn't care about video games. But even then, I remember playing with friends when girls were over. I wanted to beat my friends because while she might not understand the game, she does understand winning and losing. And winning is attractive and losing is not. Um, You want to play football. You want to play basketball. You want to be good at these things because the girls come to the court. They come to the games. They cheer. They see. You know, again, they don't understand the game and its intricacies, but they understand winning. They understand losing. Winners get chosen. Um, you know, you talk about like dick size, obviously, like, you know, penis size. It's, it's very interesting because obviously like you have people lying, you got people that just don't want to talk about it because they're insecure there. And then of course, like you get hit with the random social media fact house, like the average penis size in each country, you know, don't feel bad because if you fall in this range, like dude, you're normal. And then you hear girls get on and they, you know, whether it's a podcast like call her daddy or porn or whatever um and it's it's a it's a topic i would say that like the pushback if if there are any women listening would be like well girls definitely are commented on when it comes down to like their breasts and like you know what you're right but i would put that in the same category as men when people say like men aren't objectified i'm like men are seen with their shirts off far more often than women are right but because our chest isn't viewed as like a quote-unquote sexual organ by most or an arousing organ um you know we can be seen shirtless and girls can look at us and it becomes a norm but there's still when you see a guy with a shirt off who looks good there's a sexualization that happens but for most you know the guys that you see they just look like normal it's like oh it's just a guy at the beach with his shirt off right but you talk about like you said like you would be further than canceled, be fucking buried and never show your face again. If you comment on a woman's genitalia being different or something that you don't like or not enough, um, because it's, that's, that's beyond taboo. That's, that's demonized. Like, don't do that. Just, it's seen as, it's mean, 
in yeah, a way, they, like I think commenting on on a man a man's penis size is it's understood to be mean, but it also feels like joking a little bit more than like if you comment on a woman in that way, it's just mean, like unnecessarily mean. And then yeah, rightly that person would get just shit on, right? Like yeah, you would you would get thrown out, but. It just, it has not up until this point felt like the rules apply bilaterally mm-hmm. in both cases. It, in the way that women are protected to a degree from some really mean things being said to them. Um, but like what you said, you know, like we can, we can see even on social media where like two men will be compared to one another with their shirts off and, you know, one of them might get absolutely shit on by everybody about like his dad bod or how sloppy he looks or whatever. But like, we would never do that about with two women, especially not if people are actually having to put their names and faces behind comments, right? Like if it's on Twitter where it's anonymous and like, you don't really smash. Yeah. Where you don't know, like, you know, who those comments are actually coming from. So there, there isn't any repercussions to what you're saying, you know, that's different. But, um, but I still think that like, there is almost an etiquette that comes along with judging a woman by her looks, by her physique, by her physical characteristics that, that she cannot change. That is not always applied in the same way to men. And maybe that's because men are seen to be stronger in a sense, like they should be able to take it. They should be able to handle it and compartmentalize. But I think that also discredits the fact that like men are human men have psyches men have you know fragile consciousness and they they have a relatively relatively uh malleable sense of of their self and sense of you know their worth so relatively unimportant or innocuous comments can go a long way in shaping how someone especially man thinks about themselves if you hear something from an early age like for example right if you were to be flirting with a girl whenever you're a kid and she says something about your skin color mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, you're all of a sudden going to be very self-conscious of your skin color, right? Whereas the girl might've thought that, that was an innocuous thing. She might've thought that, that was relatively unimportant. She might not have even understood what she was saying, right? but that might stick with you for the rest of your life and influence the way that you see yourself and also your race, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, that would severely impact your self-worth. Um, and a lot of things happen like that to men, but also women, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's not going to be discredited. Um, but I, I do think that there is a, a bit more free exchange of comments like that towards men to where it doesn't get filtered in the same way as, as they do towards women. And sometimes the, those comments can stick. Right and really influence how a man sees himself yeah you um like obviously like you, you hit on something like I, I i have been right like I, i've told certain friends that i'm like the, the the special thing about that relationship with that friend is that i don't focus on the fact that i might be the only one in the room yeah, right yeah. because i think when when you when you are and it's pointed out um, even in joking ways, whether it's a man or a woman, right? Like I've had like guy friends joke and 
obvious jokes about the cultural racial differences between the two of us as a kid and all of a sudden like it's ha 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 but like secretly you're kind of like pulling your arms to yourself and you're covering up and you're like you're trying to hide the, the insecurities and it's interesting without going off into a deep rabbit hole I know we talked about like apartheid a while back when I told you I read that Trevor Noah book, Trevor Noah book. But it's interesting because I think that, and there, there's probably many black people that could relate to this, especially if they're thrust into a major a majority like white environment. Is that if you start to perceive your skin color as being the thing that is marginalizing you, you start to try to separate yourself from it. You start trying start trying to behave differently and assimilate because you don't want to be othered and it's really fucking sad right like it's, it's a sad thing to look at on the outside um but understandable because being different especially to our ancestors our distant 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 ancestors being different at death being different and being outcast you know and not being a part of a tribe so um trying to fit in is something that we just biologically desire uh it, it, like you said though you know it's it's not a, a me thing. It's not just a men thing. I think what you said is the, the bilateral aspect of it. Dude, I understand that these are all issues for women. The interesting conversation is that if there was an account, um, who's the guy that was in prison in like Russia for a while? The bald, light-skinned dude. Was it Russia? He was, he was imprisoned overseas for a while. Um, bald, really, really like punch in the face. Like, uh, ha, what's his name? Like, he just gets shit on on Twitter and like Instagram all the time. He's got a brother, uh, but he says like edgy shit about women all the time. Like, how oh, wait, wait, Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's not with the Russia. That was, well, I don't know what it was, yeah, it was some Eastern European country, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, like, you have a guy like him who says these things about women and their places and how he views the relationship between men and women. And some of the shit he says is just, sideways he gets immediately labeled as an asshole right even things that contextually like oh, i kind of see where he's coming from a label asshole 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 but you have these accounts that like are gaining tens and thousands millions of followers and their entire like predication is just let's just shit on men and how men aren't ready and how they're hurting women and then this and that and some of these accounts it's crazy are run by men like there's a, a guy poet that i follow and his whole brand is he wasn't ready for you. He was to this. He was to that. And I'm just like, Christ, bro. Like, do you understand the narrative? I get what you're, it's a buck. Go make it. But also, do you understand what you're doing? Well, the self-hating aspect is prevalent throughout a lot of aspects of society, right? So, yeah, you can be a man that is a feminist and hates men or puts men down or you know, only sees the flaws in men and tries to prop up women, whatever, right? Like, that's definitely one thing. You can also see it with white people as a race, mm -hmm. where there are a ton of white people that pretty obviously hate white people. And it's very confusing to me where I'm like, I don't think that, like, white people have to stand together or anything like that. But, like, it's very confusing that you you hate who you are. That seems like something you need to address rather than like posting your opinions on Twitter. But then there are also people that hate the human race. Like there is something called actually Lex and I, we, we saw this the other day. Um, it's called the extinctionist mute. No, it's a human, no, no, voluntary human extinctionist movement. So, so yeah, no, these people, 
they they believe that humanity is basically a giant parasite and that it would be better if every human was eradicated and like their opinion is basically like um it's you know saving the environment saving the world like saving gaia whatever right like and the only way to do that is to get rid of humanity because we're we're a virus right um but again it goes back to the self-hating aspect where it's like don't you think that you'd rather be a part of the solution rather than just yelling the problems like what we've talked about before it's like you can either point out the problems or you can be a part of the solution and you can help devise the solution right and like who do you want to be which side of that do you want to be on um but this kind of, kind of goes back to while there is i guess what you could call like a a man loving movement it is not the feminist movement mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the feminist movement is something that was started with the idea of women being a marginalized, oppressed group and building them up to, again, it's, it always starts as something that is good. It's pushed too far in in the opposite direction, right? Whether, whether feminism started as the ideal of women being better than men or being put on a higher pedestal than men, I don't know. I don't know if it was initially like a, an equal movement. But it quickly became men are shitty, women are deserving of these other things, and women need a higher place in society than men. And then it became a man-bashing movement, right? And I'm not saying that every feminist or every person that has feminist ideals is that person, but you can see how it's permeated in a lot of the ways that that like feminist values have trickled into media trickled in the culture trickled into how we talk about ourselves as well but it doesn't make much sense to me still Mm -hmm. doesn't make much sense to me i'm someone who i can clearly see the problems that men as a group have right like we commit a gigantically disproportionate amount of crimes especially violent crimes especially sexual crimes like that is i don't think an argument that we as men have a leg to stand on. Um, you know, there are still a lot of equality issues that come with specific positions of power that at a certain point should probably be figured out. But, you know, luckily trends are starting to point in a good direction, right? And I think that the issue mostly stems from women having a, you know, thousand generation <laughs> uh, handicap on progress through positions of power right and where men like we've historically always been in those positions so it takes a little bit of time to diffuse and to equalize and i think that that's if you really want to go down that rabbit hole that it should is something that should be expected it's not an overnight thing right like it's not something that's cured in one generation either so you can't go from women's suffrage in what like the was that the 20s yeah i think no i think probably more than, but i don't know but um you can't that's that's two generations you can't even go from from women being very marginalized legally marginalized to having a 50 50 split within fortune 500 ceos in two generations like that's not something that's realistically going to happen because the power dynamics take a while to trickle down right even if it's a 51 49 split it doesn't mean that that there should be such a a populist movement against men and 
and I think maybe this is like kind of going down specific rabbit holes and, and deviating from the initial topic, but I do think that it's important because like what you brought up the man hating aspect, right? Or like the self hating man. We're told a lot that if you're a man, you're in a position of power. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're the oppressor, right? And even if you are a man who is marginalized in other aspects, because you are a man, you're still the oppressor. You're still right. in power. So because of that, you have certain responsibilities to the oppressed, to women, to admit your wrongdoings, to be public about your wrongdoings, to equalize the wrongdoings, right? And I do think that aspects of that, that ideology have kind of maybe come, become like entrenched in the way that we also view ourselves and the way that we're taught to think about ourselves too. So I don't think that this is something that maybe like you or I would be struggling with, but I can definitely see how a lot of people could become indoctrinated with a lot of these thoughts and with a lot of these values and with a lot of these morals, if you're consistently bombarded with them. Yeah. Right. And it, it just, it feels to me like almost an inevitable outcome of there being a lot of anti-masculine movements coinciding with a more open culture and environment for men to discuss their struggles mm -hmm. and then also with a lot of I guess consistent societal pressure for men to portray confidence and for men to improve themselves in varying capacities especially with their physique with their health with their looks um and there's just a lot of there's a lot of things pushing and pulling a lot of forces at play there. And I think that a lot of men probably struggle pretty hard yeah. to balance all of those. Yeah. It's, um, I think you said there's, there's, I don't think any guy is exempt. I think to some degree we all struggle with it. And I guess as a dull ache. And I think that we have moments in life when it's really intense. Um, like I would ask you to probably like recall like things post Alex, right? Post your your divorce. And I think back to things post my my breakup. And I think in a susceptible place when your your heart's hurting, your ego's hurting, everything's fucking confusing, you almost become like a uh a fucking emotional sponge and all the emotions that are thrown at you, whether they're like emotions of support or vitriol, or often the latter are soaked up and you start to believe that you are less, that you are the one who is broken and did everything. Like you're this bad person. And I know there was a moment for me where I was consuming so much like self-help stuff and everything I was reading was me trying to get better. Every conversation I was having was me looking for constructive criticism. And then you start to think that you were this fucking monster, this uh, immature, you know, emotionally unregulated child, this thing that was broken, that broke the world around it, um, specifically that person, specifically that thing with that person. And so it was really high for me there to look at myself and look at men like, dude, you got it. You got to do this. You got to do that. If you do that. And, you know, soon I like kind of had to like shake myself and kind of go, wait a second, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like 
this this is going a little too far. And like you said, everything starts with the, okay, I want to be equal. And I think I, I said in my story post, I was like, when did I want to be equal and I want the same things you have start to be, well, I want more. Or now, instead of empowering myself, it's condemnation of you, right? Like it, it, it's, it's, it's shifted and almost like an absolution of responsibility. Like, okay, I, I no longer want to try to lift myself up. I just want to tear you down so I can kind of equalize things here, right? Because of a perceived long-standing slight. You guys have, you know, reparations to pay because you've, you know, you know, traditionally been in control. You've created these societal systems. You've created the societal system of beauty. And I actually, I joked the other day because a woman said, hey, yeah, you know, like, well, you know, this as all men making movies and, you know, running these modeling agencies and, you know, these fashion, I'm like, okay, let's just say, like, let's concede the fact that men put it together. Do you think that men or women currently influence the way things are going? Because I would tell you in my experience, I think women are a lot harder on women in the way that they look and what they see than men are. Like women are the ones commenting and going, she's not even all that. She's fat. She's this. She shouldn't be wearing that. She should be wearing. I'm like, you don't see guys there. One, because they get fucking canceled. Two, because it's like, we don't actually, we're focusing on other things. Like if there are other things in our lives right now that are, are occupying us, probably our own insecurities. So it, it is just interesting that like that same framing of it, it shifted from, I want to get better. I want what you have. Please give me the equality I'm asking for to, well, no, how can I marginalize what you've done, make you the bad guy so that you just eternally, you know, repent, right? Like I, I talked um, a bit about this the other day with him. I was like, you know, um, somehow cheating came up, right? We were watching something and cheating came up and a girl was saying like, of course I would accept a guy who cheated because he's, you know, protecting me and biologically, da, 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 da. And it was just this wild conversation. I was like, wow, okay. And so we started talking like about it. And I, I'm sorry? It was like a reach. Yeah, it, I, I, she was going for like the biological like predisposition for men to try to pre procreate. And for women, it's different because for men, it's pleasure. And for women, there's feelings. And I was just like, okay, girl, like, I guess do your thing. But either way, we were just talking about it and the framing, right? Like cheating is universally understood as like physical relations with someone, you know, outside of your, your partner. Um, definitely like be beyond that permission or understanding with that partner. Right. So it's interesting though, because I don't, think that that's where cheating stops. And I think we're kind of getting to a point now where people are like, they're going, hey, like cheating isn't just this. Cheating is messages. Cheating is elongated conversation, you know, with a person. And exactly like, you know, it, it's, and you start to think about that. Cheating is framed in a way that you more often than not find men cheating, but you, it's not really talked about in the way that women cheat. And it's not looked at as cheating. It's looked at as something other. Like it, that's not right, but it's not quite cheating. But why not? Why is the conversation that that guy is having with you where he keeps saying inappropriate things, even though you're not responding to them, but you're allowing it and you keep going and having more and more conversation, you haven't cut him off or the conversation you have with your friend about that person or that person or the ones that you have that you'd rather me not hear. Why are those things not cheating? It's because it's the way that stereotypically women do it. But men get to kind of be marginalized in this way of like, oh no, absolutely. That's the worst thing ever. Like you physically cheated. And I'm like, yes, it's really bad. 
And also, as a man, I understand that I have my own bias. I could argue that I think emotional cheating is worse. I think that like, you you watching my favorite movie or suggesting my favorite movie to another guy is more hurtful than me, you know, sharing a lapsing like spasm moment with a girl. I get the ego that has hit there, but like you took something super special and unique to me that I shared with you and gave it away. And I think that that to me, you know, is marginally worse, but I understand obviously how, how it all works and what is acceptable and what's not. But I think a case could be made for both. I just think that the framing of it is in itself kind of interesting when the fact that it's like, oh, well cheating. And that's why men get labeled as cheaters, right? You don't hear women being labeled as cheaters because women cheating typically looks a little different. Lee. Just, just look at like divorce law, you know, that's something that you can immediately point to and say that the system is rigged against men and whether that is historically justifiable or not i don't think that that really matters because for example we if you want to admit that men in the workplace make more money than women or there is a bias towards men um you know, in positions of power, whatever, you can admit that. But at the same time, you also have to admit then that the system for divorces is rigged against men, despite what position that man by, might be in, right? So like a man might be a janitor and his wife might be a CEO, but if they get a divorce, the system intrinsically is going to be in favor of the woman. Granted, it's not always that case. It's not going to be like that universally, but that is how it's set up at its foundation. It's set up slightly in favor of the woman before any context is even applied. And I think that that can and has become very problematic whenever you see, you know, a Jeff Bezos who gets a divorce and loses $40 billion. It's like, or if you see these athletes that, for example, have to pay child support and they're paying you know, $100,000 a month for child support, any sense of rationality applied to that situation would immediately tell you a child is, probably does not need $100,000 a month to live a good life. Even if you take every luxury you can think of into account, that's still not $100,000 a month. So at a certain point, you just have to immediately jump to, well, the system that is put in place is so far biasing the women that it makes no sense anymore in that situation, right? Because we're not even able to apply logic and rationality to say, how much money does a child need to live a comfortable life? That's probably what we should say the child support should be. Instead, we say, well, how much money is the, is the father making? We right. should take percent of that and send it over. It's like, well, if they're making millions of dollars a year, it doesn't make sense anymore. Now there is an exception to be made. Like if you're, um, shit, who is it? Is it Antonio Cromartie? Dude ha that yeah. has 11 kids by 10 moms in like 10 different states or something like that. So, yes. He had two kids. Wasn't he? He had two kids after a vasectomy. I don't even know. That's probably true. But like, yes, there are some instances where you could look like an Antonio Cromartie dude is a fucking idiot like just bro please stop just stop just Nick Cannon yes like clearly you you've got some like super juice man so just just chill but at the same time like do I think that the dude should be bankrupt 
forever because he just couldn't keep it in his pants? Probably not. I mean, yeah, he's stupid, but like maybe we should just think about this for a second and say, all right, like dude is making $5 million a year right now. He's not going to be making $5 million a year in 10 years though, whenever he's retired. Like we probably shouldn't apply the same rules for every single child that we, that we would if it was a single child or that we would if he was in all of their lives, right? Like, or if there was some pre-established standard of luxurious lifestyle that they're already used to rather than them living, you know, in what I consider to be like normal life. And then they, all of a sudden now that they have, you know, a $50,000 a month paycheck coming in to support that lifestyle, it's like, that makes no sense. So yeah, I mean, that was a complete tangent, but anyway, like I do think that just going back to what we were initially talking about was like, you know, what are the pressures that are applied to men that can kind of like lead to these situations of like body dysmorphia and, um, you know, lack of confidence or inability to, to manage vulnerability or discuss vulnerability. Like where, like, where do these things come from? And it very much like a lot of things that we could probably talk about. A lot of it does come from like a, a societal level expectation that gets like kind of passed down. And it is detrimental at times because if you're a man who is put in a position of thinking or feeling like there's an expectation levied on you that you'll never be able to to live up to, whether that is, you know, relationship wise, whether that is professionally, whether that's financially, whether that is, you know, aesthetically. Yeah. If you feel like the expectation is beyond what you're capable of achieving, then what's the point? It feels very demoralizing. It feels like you're in a hole that you can never climb out of, right? If you're a man and you're five, six, but you're told that all women like in need and will only go for six plus foot men. Right. Well, well, why would you ever try this? Like what, why are you going to shoot your shot? Why are you even going to talk to women? Maybe you just become a woman hating man. Maybe you can, you become like the Andrew Tates. Right. And I, I don't think that it has to be like that, but I definitely think that a lot of the, the louder voices that get applied and that get projected, they tend to, echoes kind of the same sentimentality where it's like it's really really hard to find an equal ground for a lot of men to say yeah you know like it's great if a man can financially support his family it's great if he's making a million dollars a year it's also fine if you're making 50k like if you're working hard and you love your job and you're happy you have other things going for you it's okay but right. a lot of times what you'll hear is, oh, like I have a minimum man has to make 250,000. Otherwise, like I won't even talk to him. It's like, well, that feels very insurmountable for a lot of people immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, so again, it's like, we would never say that about men would never say that towards women. It's like a standard. Yeah. That, that, that is not reciprocated. Right. We would right. not say, well, we need women to make 500 K a year. Otherwise we won't even talk to you. A guy couldn't put on his hinge account, like, hey, like you must have C cups or better yes. to, 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 to swipe right or whatever, right? Exactly. And and like even something again, going back to height, like, yeah, men can prefer prefer short women, but like you're not gonna say it out loud because you'll get attacked. Like if yeah. you're like, Oh, I only will date five four or below women, 
there's going to be a chick that's five seven that's to be like fuck you asshole right Which, granted yes that makes sense because it's going to make her feel less than and we want to be very cautious with how we're saying those things especially about things that people can't fucking change right mm -hmm. and physique you can change your physique but at the same time if you're starting from a handicapped position and i hate to say it like this right like because this is going to sound shitty because it may be me trying to like relate myself in a way that i'm not trying to but any anyway like if you're someone who starts from a position of being like very overweight from an obese family and you are at the position of healthy eating habits and you have been able to maintain your weight and you maintain your BMI and you go to the gym and you're never going to look like beach or competition ready like some other people might, but you're doing well for yourself. But if you get compared to me, it's going to all of a sudden feel like insurmountable, but you also don't know my history. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what has allowed me to look the way that I do now. And again, I don't want to like make that feel like I'm like this fucking pinnacle or anything like, but I do understand that like physique wise, I'm lean. I, I have like a good base of muscle. Like it, it, it is what it is, but I still see myself as being less than what I used to be. And that's difficult for me to compartmentalize as well, because I'll go into, into the bathroom and I'm like, looking at myself, I'm like, fuck man, you really need to start taking your shit seriously. Like you need to get back to the gym, start training hard against her eating like you used to start like, like progressive overloading, like you used to, like you have really fallen off. Like I tell myself those narratives and that's obviously not healthy <laughs> right, right. at all. And if I'm trying to be as objective with myself as possible, I can also say, bro, you still look good considering the context, considering the circumstances, but we can't be objective with ourselves. So what I actually notice is, fuck, man, this shirt fits me very different than it used to. Mm -hmm. Or these pants used to be really tight on my thighs. Now they're like a little bit baggy because my legs aren't as muscular as they were a couple years ago. And that gets into your head and it becomes a mind fuck. And no matter how good you might look compared to 90% of the population or 99% of the population, you're only comparing yourself to N of one. And that one is you in your peak. And that might've been years ago in a completely different context, but you can't shake that. And that always is going to color your own view of how you see yourself in your own body dysmorphia that you might have. And whether that's compartmentalized and whether that's something that you can manage, like for me, I manage that. I understand I can tell myself these, these troubling narratives, but then I shake it off and I'm like, bro, just calm the fuck down. You've got other stuff to worry about. Your priorities are different. It's not a big deal. For some people, they can't compartmentalize those things, right? Like, we have tons of, of clients that we've worked with in the past that are competitors. And no matter how many times you tell them, you're in a different phase of your life. You're, you should be gaining weight. That's good. That's healthy. That means that you can focus on performance. It is exponentially troubling for them to see the scale go up one pound or for them to see one less line of definition in their abs, like they can't compartmentalize that because all they're doing is looking at their, their stage pictures that, that they have it as their backdrop on their phone. They have it as their, their profile picture. All they're doing is posting like throwback, like flashback Fridays or throwback Thursdays or whatever. That's all they're doing because they can't come to grips with the fact that their, their body is changing. And that's where you start to come 
into contact with some severe body dysmorphia problems. Um, but it's interesting because it's not like a physiological thing. It's more of just like a complete psychological issue where you allow those narratives to just dominate your thinking. Yeah, no, I, um, you touched on a point earlier when you talked about just like how for us, it's like referencing back to past selves. Um, and it definitely, I think for most people, I think it's rooted there. I think there are external stimuli that like kind of bump you a little bit. Like, ah, fuck, like that guy's on this shit, right? You know, uh, an ex gets with a guy who's jacked or you see a guy at your gym and you're used to being one of the bigger guys in the gym and now you're not the biggest guy in the gym anymore. And not like there, there are several things that are like those higher, hierarchical, hierarchical, um, like components that kind of play into like society and how we measure up. Like you said, just like you, I have those same things where I look in the mirror and I'm like, fuck. And then I go to the gym and like the, the young kid in the gym's like, bro, man, I'm just trying you like, you kind of like, you kind of like remember like, okay, shit. Like I posted on my story today that I think every straight man should at least, you know, one time in his life walk through a Sephora. Like just walk through a Sephora and you will know what it's like to be like a really good looking girl and walking around in a club in a dress on a Saturday night. Cause like I'm just walking around and there's all like just there. Just like looking around. I'm just like, I feel mildly uncomfortable. Like it was it was flattering at first, and now I feel like you would all attack me if you could. Um, but also I walked out like, okay, like that's, that's cool. I, I feel like I you still look good and you kind of need those little boosts. Um, I kind of have a, a two pronged thing here and my thought process, which I think is interesting because it provides context on things when people don't want to provide context. But I don't think that us measuring ourselves against one another is necessarily a bad thing. But like you said, when it goes unchecked, when it's unmanaged, uh, because for me, I used to in practice sit next to Dom because I knew that Dom was faster than me. And I knew that if I raced Dom in our drills, I would get better. Like it sucked that he was better than me, but also if I was going to get better, I needed to try to beat him. And when I was able to beat him, I was like, I'm getting better, right? Like I'm continuing. And, and in that I got better. It's when you attach yourself to I needing to be better that it becomes problematic. Like it can be a tool, you know, seeing yourself in the mirror, seeing others in the gym and being inspired, it can be a tool. And then it could become toxic. Like you become something that like warps you and consumes you. And I think that's where, you know, things get interesting. And it's just something that everyone struggles with, which brings us back to kind of like the premise of the latter half of this conversation, which is this new age, emotional, mental bias that comes into play when it's like, okay, well, it's interesting. Like I said, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, as a woman or a marginalized party, want you to pay more attention to me and the things I've been going through because I don't feel like you have been. And it's like, okay, and you turn it over and you look. And then eventually it evolves into something and because you did this. So now you get to sit here and listen to me shit talk all the things you did to me for the last however many years. It's like, ownership, okay, cool. Um, and then it also turns into, uh, so give me equality and also when I act in a way that is not okay, you have to be more of a man and put your feelings aside and, and take care of me. And so it's like, wait, 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 do you want us to be on equal footing or do you want more? Like which, which one do you want? Like at least give me, you know, be, be honest in that. Right. And the point of this conversation is that like, when you sit there and you talk about how men don't struggle with body dysmorphia or any level of like societal pressure to be something more than what they feel they currently are, 
you do a major disservice to not just men, but to us as, as a race, as humans, right? Like you, you divide us for one and you end up with these contentious conversations on both sides, as opposed to being like, you know what, bro? I feel you like I, that fucking sucks. Like, how can I support you? Because I, I know what that feels like. Either I'm going through it. I went through it. I'll probably go through it. And it doesn't matter about your sex. It doesn't matter about where you're from, what your predisposed genetics are. I come from a fat family. We're going to grow regardless. I just chose to make sure that I grew muscle instead of fat. Right. Like that was just like, but that took a lot of work. Right. Like my parents are starting to get heavier. My uncle is obese. My aunts and aunt, or my aunts and great uncles and grandparents, they're all, they're all heavy. That took a lot of work. But like you said, you were a skinnier kid. You fought so hard to not be skinny, right? Like you fought, and so it's, you don't know that journey. And if we all say, you know what? I don't fucking know. I don't know you. I don't know what you've been through. What are you going through? Oh shit, I actually feel that pretty deeply. So how can I support you? How can you support me and keep it moving? Yeah, I mean, one thing I think is really good for everyone to hold in mind is that each person despite their race, despite their, their sex, despite their upbringing, despite their genetics, they all have the same type of general broad brain function, right? That's not going to be dissociated, right? Yes, your experiences can cloud that, but at a very primitive level, insecurity in the way that you view yourself, that is universal. Everyone has that. If you're of cannibalistic tribesmen in South America, you're still going to somehow feel yourself as insignificant compared to your other cannibalistic tribesmen peers whenever it comes to winning the, the, the prized woman of your tribe. Whatever, right? Whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know how that how that fucking works. But either way. It eats his brains a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you just like worship a shrunken head or something. But like that is again universal like that feeling of comparativeness that feeling of like potential you know inferiorness and that is something that everybody's going to struggle with <laughs> what the fuck that yeah <laughs> okay i guess it's not happening for me yeah no that that is something that everyone will struggle with and um you know before anyone judges or before anyone deems their situation their experiences to be completely unique and unre unrelatable i do believe that it's really important that everyone just takes a step back and understands that no matter what you're feeling everyone else feels the same things in various contexts and to various degrees mm -hmm. we're not unique we're not special no matter how much we like to think that we are the center of the universe we're not we're, we're absolutely not. So it is really important sometimes to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, be empathetic, understand that they might also be affected by hearing the things that you would be affected by. If you hear that, you know, someone discussing something about like your, your physical appearance and that hurts you and you hold on to that and that affects how you view yourself, Understand that other people hearing something similar will probably have a, a similar effect on them as well. So whenever it comes down to just like the way that we we see ourselves and our self-worth and how we compartmentalize that with our 
our surrounding world, um, men and women aren't different. We're not different. But there are different implications that come along with that. And there are different pressures that come with being a man versus being a woman. And there are different taboos as well. So, so certain things are generally accepted. Certain things are generally just not talked about. And yeah, there is a spectrum there also. But like, you know, I, I think that it is important to just accept that and and understand that that is somewhat of of a prior that you have to go into the the, the situation understanding. But um, in general, you know, body dysmorphia is something that like every man deals with every single man deals with it every man will relate themselves to either their peak or to their peers or to their friends or to people that they see on social media or actors or you know athletes whatever and it is really challenging to always feel the pressure to feel like you have to be this like peak form at all times peak physical form at all times otherwise you're not be able you're, you won't be able to get the girl or get the job or be a part of the friend group whatever so it is it is something that like i do think that we need to be aware of i think that we need to create a little bit more a little bit more openness around not normalizing body dysmorphia because i don't think that we should normalize that but just understanding that that is a fact of how we how we manage and how we interact with men especially men who might be a little bit more far along on like the competitive and athletic spectrum um so then it just makes it a little bit easier to relate makes it a little bit easier to relate makes it a little bit easier to in our case coach and you know if you are someone who's like a significant other a friend uh, an acquaintance um to just make sure that you don't do shitty things and potentially attach certain labels to people un unintentionally yeah um like i said being able to relate i, I think that the big reason why i pose this as a, a topic for us to talk about is that the majority of the media when it comes down to body dysmorphia or just negative body images is, is geared towards women and i've had conversations with women where um they've even said to me or i've watched them say things to their husbands or partners like the well, you, you just don't get it you don't understand it's different for you, right? And it's different for everybody. It's it's different for the other woman you're talking to, right? Like her experience is not your experience. And to other, his experience in, imply that it's somehow less or somehow not as big um, is a tough one, right? It's just a tough one. And I think that, like you said, recognizing that in your language, recognizing that in your intonation when you're talking to someone about whatever it is you're going through the minute you compare it, the minute you try to compare stripes, like you lose, right? The minute that I, as um, a black man, hear a woman go, well, yeah, you know, I kind of, as a woman, I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Like, you got your things you go through too, but also, like, we don't have to go there. Like, we don't have to get to the point where we're like, because then I'm like, I'm slavery, you know, fucking slave trade. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do, right? Um, you go, witch trials. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's acknowledging that, like you said, there's not a ton of uniqueness. Like we have different things, but humans typically process things pretty similarly. And then they're shifted by your environment, how you're brought up and stuff like that. But you can usually find those same like root emotional algorithms in all of us and how we respond to things and recognizing that and just opening space for it. Like, hey, you know what? Like 
now all of a sudden these women's groups, yes, there's the unity there. There's a likeness. And also you get to welcome a lot more people to come in there and be like, I support you too. Thank you very much. All these men that you're like, you guys don't understand. I'm like, actually we do. And we can prop you up just as high. We can give you just as much more because we recognize it as well. And with our different perspective, we might be able to support you in a different way. You know, in a way that you probably weren't able to receive from a woman because she only sees it very similarly to you. And I see it similar to you, but maybe from a different side. So now I can give you more of something maybe you weren't getting before. You close yourself off when you start othering other people. Like, well, you just don't get it. You don't understand. It's different for you. So um, for anyone listening that's made it this far, that's what I would probably encourage you to do is just like open yourself up to the fact that like there are going to be people out there that are going to have different perspectives than you different realizations, different experiences than you, but you're a lot more alike than you think. And if you open up room for that, you're probably going to receive something beneficial that you would probably not have received had you been searching for it where you were going to search for it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's a good way to wrap that up. So yeah, you want to end this? Yeah. Yes. Thank you all again for tuning in. If you made it this far, we appreciate your support. If you made it far at all, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to us here on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever. We'll take our money. If we find another source, we'll probably pay them too. If you have anything to drop in the comments, definitely do that. Drop it on our Instagram. Drop it in our DMs. We will take that stuff into consideration as we move forward and create more installments. So thank you again for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.